You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, bringing class to trash since Welcome to the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, episode 604. Just trudging along, baby. Just keeping it going. Sammy and Will here with you this week to talk about uh, some more horror movies. And uh, we hope you're enjoying the show so far this uh, this month. How you doing, Will? I'm marvelous. As marvelous as one can be. Oh, yes. 7 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Remember that actor? Remember that guy? Marvelous. Mar- marvelous. marvelous. <laughs> yeah. The 7-Up commercials, was that one? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, it's marvelous. I can't, I can't remember that guy's name. I think he was in um, uh, he was in one of the Bond movies, Live and Let Die, maybe? Uh, the one with Yafet Kato, I believe. I think he's oh, in God, is it Godfrey Cambridge? Yeah, yeah, I think it's, uh, maybe that is. No, I don't know. But it was it? I don't know. Mm. Man, we, we just walk right into... The befuddlement on oh, the show anymore. Godfrey Cambridge, man. I'm so <laughs> silly now. <laughs> yeah. name? Why did Godfrey Cambridge's name pop into his I don't know. Uh, well, he's a, he's a character actor we enjoy. So, um, Anyway, uh, I'll let you research that if you want to. This week we're talking about uh, <laughs> The Dark Half, Stephen King's The Dark Half, directed by George R. Romero. Um, One of his more... Uh, I wouldn't. I don't know if it's underseen, but certainly less talked about uh, films. Uh, so we're going to discuss that. Uh, it was a good reason to revisit it. I hadn't seen it since the theaters, and Will had never seen it. He had only read the novel. Yep. So uh, you know, it was a good opportunity, and I know Will's like, "Well, what? there's Romero films I haven't seen. I'm better check this out." So that's right. And I was like, "There's Romero films I haven't seen more than once. I better see. Go back and look at this one. And see what." Uh, See why I didn't see it more than once, maybe. Um, so that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, I just want to take a moment and just uh, thank everybody who's been listening to the show lately. Uh, I've noticed that our downloads have went up. That's a good thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, we've uh, gained a little traction over the last couple of weeks. I don't know why. Uh, maybe guest spots, maybe stuff like that. I mean... 
Maybe, but I, I mean, I've only been doing guest spots on one podcast, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I know you haven't done any for a little while, so I don't know. I, I don't know. what. Well, maybe we're just uh, picking the right movies. Maybe it's the right time of year. Uh, that might have some spooky baby. Yeah. Maybe it had something to do with Silva passing away. Maybe. I don't know. Um, either way, I uh, just want to thank folks for listening. And uh, yeah, we're not going anywhere, man. We love doing this and we'll keep doing it. Maybe one day we'll even go back to two films a show. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, uh, we just need an excuse to talk to each other. We don't really need, <laughs> we don't really need much more than that. <laughs> oh. No, it's true. And even when... Just to pull back the curtain, I'll call you to sit to have like a one minute conversation. Yeah, it never <laughs> No, no, it's at least ten minutes. No, yeah, it's never it for those who don't know, it's never been that way. It's like, hey, quick thing, quick, quick question, and then it turns into ten, fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We end up going and hey, let's while we're on, let's apologize. Well, no, let's I will apologize to Jeffrey Holder. Oh, the, yeah, there he is. Prince Samidi. Yeah, there we go. Or Sam D. Samidi. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember him in a lot of other films. I remember him in that film. Oh, he's great in that, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that that made him. And then uh, I just remember in the 80s, the 7-Up commercials, right? Yeah. I believe it was 7-Up, wasn't it? I believe it was 7-Up. I don't know. Do you guys have 7-Up up there? We should do. Okay. We should do. Yeah, yeah. That's one of those. Sprite. (laughs) (laughs) We have choice. (laughs) It's one of those weird ones that, you know, it's it's, the... I mean, Seven Up is still here as well, yeah. And it's quite a popular mixer for drinks as well. The, that and Sprite have always been. Seven Up seems to be a more popular mixer than Sprite for some reason. I don't know. Oh, really? Yeah. I feel like Sprite are up here. I feel well, so, like Sprite is, and ginger ale is very popular. Yeah, ginger ale is popular as well. Yeah. So I, t- I tell was, you, if I got to go Sprite, I, this or that, quick this or that, Seven Up or Sprite. I'm going Seven Up. Oh, nice! I'm going Sprite. There you go, man. There you go. Okay, so just one more quick one. Pepsi or Coke? Ooh. Are we talking the diet soda or are we talking the uh, regular soda? Straight up OG. Straight up OG? Yeah. I go, I'm, I'm a Pepsi guy. As am I 100%. Yeah. I don't know what, I don't, yeah, I don't know what it is. My wife's a big Coke person. I'm not a, uh, I, and I drink Diet Coke, um, but I don't drink Diet Pepsi anymore. But I've always liked uh, the taste of Pepsi Cola. I don't I know why. I find it more crisp, to be honest with you. Yeah. I find it more crisp, but I also find it more, uh, it's got less, it's, I don't know, it's got less of a bite, but it's just more of a, anyway, I didn't know we'd be reviewing sodas this morning, but anyway, uh, yeah, Pepsi all the way. Anyhow. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, we got some feedback this week. I'm going to play some feedback from our good friend, Walt here. Um, here we go. Let's get this one going. Gentlemen of North America, <laughs> my favorite podcasters. If uh, if you uh, actually get that uh, Blu-ray of Sleepwalkers and listen to the commentary track, you will find out that the cats at the beginning of the movie were in fact real. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, having now seen uh, Top Gun Maverick, finally. Oh, oh. Uh, thinking about it, next year will be. Uh, I believe 40 years of Tom Cruise stardom. My question to you, is there any other star that compares? Or, in fact, is Tom Cruise the greatest movie star of all time? Who else had a 40-year career? Even I think John Wayne uh, didn't quite have 40 years of stardom. So my question for this or that, sure, John Wayne or Tom Cruise. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Wow. 
Wow, that's a that's a that's an interesting this or that. Um, I gotta say, and will first of all, the cats thing is yeah. I'm not I'm not a cat person, but that's just uh, that's just kind of gross. But I'm not a monster either. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just kind of gross, you know. I don't I don't really. I mean I'm sure there was there were feral cats or strays or whatever, but still yuck. Um, just not a fan of using real carcasses if you don't have to. Um, seems like, uh, making a fake cat would be pretty easy. Um, but I guess maybe more expensive than, uh, going to a shelter and getting a bunch of cats and just, uh, gutting them, I guess. Uh, anyway, uh, Tom Cruise. So will, uh, you know, I don't know if Walt's listened to all the back episodes, but, uh, you, you've often had a, uh, complicated relationship with Mr. Cruise. Um, mine's not as complicated, but, uh, I, I do think he's, uh, certifiably insane and I, and I feel safe saying that cause I don't think I will ever interview Mr. Cruz, uh, and nor would he even care about peons like us. He's that kind of guy. It seems like, but, um, what do you think? Uh, first let's answer this or that John Wayne or Tom Cruise. Let's throw that out there. That's a, so, that's a tough one really in a way because, and I'll tell you why on my side, but go ahead. I'll tell you why it's hard on my side. Because John Wayne was a piece of shit as a human being. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he was not a he was not a great guy. But in a weird way, I don't know if either one of them really are that well, great. Yeah, I don't want to absolve Cruz of any any wrong. But in this case, I, I feel like what we know is yeah, Cruz is at least a more decent human being than yes. John Wayne. Yes, 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 yes. I, I I should say that. I should say that. I, I, yeah. I think Cruz is just an incredibly selfish human being. And just ego to no end. But so strictly cinematic, oh man, I kind of feel like I'm, I'm on with John Wayne on that one. Like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how much personal bias I'm factoring in, but my knee jerk reaction is John Wayne. Mm, mm. Um, what about you? Uh, it's a tough one. Uh, because of what you said, I mean, I agree. John Wayne uh, uh, has not aged well in the zeitgeist, certainly in pop culture. Uh, the guy, uh, was not the kind of person I'd hang out with, uh, nor would I admire in any way. In some ways he's the Brett Favre of film. Well, maybe that's overstating a bit. I don't know. He just, he's, yeah, he's just reprehensible things he did. Yeah. 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 It's a, I, I read that Brett Favre article. That's a, that's a real shame. That's a, that's a, that's an embarrassment. Uh, that really is. That's uh yeah, well, we won't go into that here. It's yeah. just really embarrassing. <laughs> Um, I mean, I mean, embarrassing for people who aren't even fans. That's embar- yeah. That's how embarrassing that is. Um, anyway, um, I don't know, man. I think I got to go cruise because I, I think what, so Tom Cruise is interesting because Walt also asking the thing, is there any other movie star that's had this long of a tenure of being a movie star? Yes. Yeah, there, there are. I mean, the right, I mean, there, there's, there, there's these guys every now and then they're, they're just like comets that just linger forever and really manage their careers carefully jackie chan's one the words out of my mouth i was about to say i won't take column a or column b i'll take column c c for chan baby yeah and and in some ways with his career tom cruise is very similar to jackie chan in some ways they are and i think in some ways not to go down this rabbit hole too much but in his later years as beloved as chan is He's aligned himself with certain things that ah uh, yes 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 are unfortunate in some's eyes. 
some people's eyes, my, mine included. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah politics and whatnot. Some certain things. Yes. So, but I, he's pretty close. I mean, you have to think Chan might be the most um, comparable one. I'll take Chan every day over that one. But I, I don't want to take it away from Cruz either. Like whether I like him or not. Oh yeah. Years in the industry. And yeah. He spent a lot of years, and those are years on top. Yeah. Yeah, years on top, and he's just had his biggest hit. Uh, yeah. close to 60 or maybe he is 60 uh, to his will, his work ethic his yeah, you know, and his knowledge of Hollywood. So I think one of the yeah. things we should really kind of talk about with Tom Cruise is he really knows how to use the system. Uh, he's really smart that way. Um, he's not making, he knows that he's not making, um, you know, these Academy award winning movies. He, he knows he's making Tom Cruise movies. And I've often said that, that, you know, sometimes you just get actors who, and I think Tom Cruise can act. We've seen him act before, right? We've seen him do, in Magnolia, he was good, and Fourth of July. born on 4th of July, and, and he's done all that stuff, and did well with uh, Paul Newman and Color Money. Yeah, yeah. We know he can act, and uh, stuff, but I don't think that's ever what he, I don't, I don't think he ever got what he wanted out of that, and mm -hmm. so he's just kind of turned his career into Tom Cruise movies. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, I, I think that you know exactly what you're getting when you watch a Tom Cruise film. It's a brand, right? Yeah. You're, you're paying for a brand. Yes. And listen, if people are going to eat it up and he can do it, more power to him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's really turned into this guy who's not just franchised his characters like Ethan Hunt and um, uh, Maverick and things like that, but franchised himself to uh, to a level, just like, uh, in a way, just like Jackie Chan has. And uh, that that's uh, that's admirable because uh, he's made a uh, quite a career out of it. I can't, you know, personal feelings aside. Uh, sometimes with some of the goofiness of Tom Cruise, he he uh, he has really done well for himself. And I don't, I wouldn't say I look forward to a Tom Cruise film, but when one pops up, um, I'll watch it. I mean, just about every time. And he's put himself in this position where when he's on screen. You feel the power of that movie star image. Um, the the you know he's kind of backed away from interviews and and things like that, and and that is pretty wise because once you start doing that and stuff, you almost become a bit of a mystery and almost a bit of a character in and of yourself, right? And so, you let your art speak for itself, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas he's stepped in some shit in interviews, and <laughs> yeah. inevitably he's going to get a few people that ask him questions he doesn't want to answer, or he can't, or, or or there's a no win answer there, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, at his at his stature, there's really no answer he can give sometimes that people aren't going to criticize him for. And there, frankly, there's no gain for him. If I'm him, there's no gain for me doing all those interviews. I have I'm big enough. I have a yeah. brand enough that I don't need to promote it. My film promotes itself. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he is uh, and has been really in some ways. Only other actor I can think that even came close. Before his infamous moment recently was Will Smith in a way. I that's that I also was thinking of him. Yeah. He's been I would say a pretty similar trajectory. He's been, you know Yeah. Almost thirty years of being bankable, but you know, it's uh you know, it's tough tough racket. Yeah, tough racket and uh I don't uh, envy those guys because I mean it's a one in a million thing. I mean, maybe one in multiple millions chance to be that. I mean, I don't think anybody thought I mean, I think people thought Tom Cruise always had charisma, but I don't think when you saw Risky Business and all the right moves and everything else, you thought this guy was going to be one of the biggest movie stars in the world. I don't. He, I, yeah. I never he's, thought that. 
if you saw Outsiders, he wasn't the one, the horse you were betting on is to become, no, 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 no. I mean, and, uh, so, and, you know, I, I can't, I can't argue with that. So here we go. Good question. Good question. I wonder if Walt liked, uh, he didn't say whether he liked Maverick or not. So interesting question. Um, okay. I think I got one more here, uh, in email form, uh, from Jacob. Uh, he writes in about, and types it, uh, calls it perms and bangs. (laughs) <laughs> hey fellas, I'm glad you had a good time with my this or that. So I asked about the perm and the bangs because that is the new trend here at high school that I teach. I never would have thought boy perms, mullets, and bangs would be back, nor did I expect all three on some students' heads. It's wild and hideous. The best part, the boy perm kind of the the boy perm kinds and the boy bang kids are the boy boy perm kids and the boy bang kids are the tough kids here. Twenty twenty two is weird. I wonder if this has anything to do with that one character in Stranger Things, uh, the guy that drives the Camaro. Anyway, I've I've been listening. That, really? that, that's me. That's me talking. Not because uh, I've only seen two. See, I've, Landon's making me watch all of Stranger Things because he loves it, and you know I'm I'm still kind of very mixed on it. But uh, I remember that character being uh, <laughs> quite a putz. Yeah, he was strutting around. <laughs> yeah. I've been listening to you fellows for 10 years consistently now, and since you've given me so much entertainment, I want to return the favor in a small way. Okay, this is a little bit of a personal thing. We'll just leave it. We'll leave that part of it personally. So he's going to return us a favor. But, but, let's say this. Yes. Uh, just to piggyback on that. So Jake has been part of the community and an active part of the community for like a decade. Yeah. Great guy. Uh, I feel like sometimes we haven't been able to... to um, Talk on some of the cool things he's he sent our way through uh, like ebooks and stuff, but his awful awesome series. If you go to Amazon and type in awful awesome books, he's one of us. He's a GGTMCer. Um, his sensibilities are right there. So I would encourage all of you to go out and support fellow GGTMCer. Grab one of his books, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should do that. I don't know if uh, Jake's ever. He's a pretty modest guy. I don't know if he's ever asked us to promote the books or anything, but we're going to promote them today. Absolutely. I listen, awful, awesome. Like you said, he's got action, sci-fi, horror, volume one, volume two. Yeah. He says horror volume two is the deepest cuts of the volume so far. He's going to publish volume two of the action one maybe next year and same as sci-fi. So nice. head over to Amazon, check that out. If you can't find the link, let us know in a DM. Uh, and Jake, listen, better yet, go in the group, put your awful, awesome link in there. You've got our blessing. Yeah, post it. Post it, baby. Give her. Yeah, you got to give her. <laughs> All right. All right. I think that's it for uh, feedback this week. Let's get into what we've been watching. What, we, what have we been watching, man? We've been watching a few things. Yeah. Let's see, let's hear what you got. Uh, what do we got? October. Okay. So, wow, I got a lot, man. I've been, I've been grinding, man. I've been grinding. Yeah. Uh, I'll leave out some of the shorts I've been watching on. Did I talk about Friday Thirteenth Part? Which one's the final chapter? Part five, four, four. Did I talk about that last week? I feel like you did, but you know, you're asking somebody who can't even remember the name of the guy that did the Seven Up commercials. So, no, that's fair. That's fair. I don't. I just don't know. Uh, it was Seven Up, by the way. I meant to tell you, I didn't want to, <laughs> but it was Seven Up. When I saw his his uh, Wikipedia page, it does mention that ad. So. Mm-hmm. Um, rewatched Friday the 13th final chapter as I've said before William really loves Jason uh, our younger son Braden's more of a Halloween guy um, this was good 
what can I say? I haven't said, I probably have talked about this every couple of years. Uh, it's a good one. One of the better ones in the series. Um, yeah, I would say that too. Yeah. I mean, those first four are pretty solid. Yeah, I think I agree. Now I love six with the yeah, yeah, yeah. sis. I love that one. Six or seven. That's seven. I think. Seven? Okay. Well then I love seven. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just oh, it's so good. I think that's like the most underappreciated in the. In I think the that yeah, I agree with you. I think that's the most underappreciated one of the whole thing. It's a fun one, man. It's wild. It's yeah, really good. Um, then I watched. Uh, I will talk about one short that I watched. It's only about five minutes long. Fantastic little short. I think it's on Criterion. If not, it's on YouTube. It's The Fall, directed by Jonathan Glazier. Oh yeah, I know Jonathan Glazier. It was like a nightmare. Uh, four or five minutes. Very good. Uh, then we rewatched, I rewatched the boys watched 28 days later. Um, ah, yes. Yeah. So Williams, uh, uh, Killian Murphy guy, you know, he much like, um, your lad is, uh, into the Batman films. Um, so he kind of has a soft spot for Killian Murphy. Um, Killian Murphy, wanna- Killian Murphy's a good, actor. he's a really good actor. He's really great. He's got a great face and, uh. I'm just gonna say, you know, I was watching him last night with the Batman film, and he really hides his accent incredibly well. I mean, <laughs> he has a very thick accent. I think he's, I think he's Scottish, maybe, or he's Irish, Irish, Irish. Yeah. And if I remember, he's got a pretty thick accent. It's remarkable how many actors hide their accents so well. Yeah. Whether Australian or or Irish. Yeah. Or Colin British. Farrell. Colin Farrell does it very well too. Oh man, he's Irish as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, but I gotta say, yeah, I've come around on this one, and oh yeah, 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 yeah. I remember you've always had trouble with the uh, the ending. So many people had trouble with the ending. So you know what's weird? And I don't know if you remembered this, but he shot this on like this sort of like handy cam kind of yeah stock, like early high def tape. I think I don't even know if it was high def. Maybe it's high def, high def, but I can tell you, it looks like shit. But. Yeah, it's never looked. Yeah, it's never looked amazing. It's always look. It, it it looks like it's shot on tape uh, in a way. Yeah, yeah. So here's the thing. So I'm watching. Like, what the fuck? What's going on? Even the kids like, what? What is this? So I checked. Put it on the Disney Channel, and same thing. I thought, okay. So anyway, they're just a weird stylistic choice that I think he wanted to have more of a handheld, intimate, intense feel. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I've come around on this. I did initially have a problem with um, Murphy's. Uh, kind of turn um, to sort of, as I used to say, Rambo. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm better with it now because I think everyone has a breaking point. Um, and I mean, some of the stuff in this is kind of obvious. It's it's riffing on some of the stuff Romero or a lot of directors have said about, you know, who are the monsters and all this stuff. But um, one thing I did forget was, how good Gleason and Brendan Gleason is in a small role. Well, like a good supporting role, but how good Naomi Harris is. Yeah. Yeah. She's really good. And I'm watching this. I'm thinking, you know, why isn't Naomi Harris bigger? Mm-hmm. You know, cause she's fantastic in the role. Yeah. yeah she's really great. It's beautiful too. Mm-hmm. Just beautiful. But anyway, um, this is a good rewatch. I'm glad I rewatched it. And now I didn't tell William, but right at the end, Disney, Disney Channel is the Netflix streaming thing where it's like, net, you know, you'll be interested in or whatever they say. 28 weeks later so yeah nice nice he was like oh what there's another one I'm like, yeah. <laughs> now i didn't even know there's also 28 years or 28 months later whatever 28 months later i think so which i don't know if i've seen so we might be doing all those but anyway yeah i'm glad i rewatched it um 
Next up was one that William and I caught uh, a couple years ago. And he was he was kind of spooked by it, but in a fun way. Like it 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 got him good, made him jumpy. He wanted to rewatch it because we had some time on our hands. So it's um it's host, which is a Shutter original about a seance done through webcams. Through oh oh yeah yeah yeah. This is a uh, uh, this was released during COVID, right? And uh, it got quite a bit of buzz because of that. Yep. I think it's, I feel like the director's name is Dan Savage. Yeah. I feel like, his name is, I could I feel be wrong, like they, they may have made it before actually COVID hit. And I think it just might have been the timing thing, but maybe they made it during COVID. I can't remember. I it was made during, but I could be wrong. But in any event, it was kind of, I think, the right film, right time. So this is short. It's about 50 minutes. Yeah, yeah. We rewatched it. I watched it with Braden this time. Just because Braden, he's really puffing his chest out. Nothing's going to shake him. Rah, rah, rah. So we watched it, and uh, I loved it. I, I maintain this is one of my favorite, more contemporary horror films. It's so well done. It's so fun. It's a, just a fun haunted house. Mm. Really good, really smart for working within the means of their budget. The actors are fantastic in their roles. Um, it kind of nails that Zoom meeting. Yeah, that's a whole genre unto itself. Which it has become, right? Yeah. But I yeah, love yeah. this one. I th- if you haven't seen it, it's less than an hour. Go give it a watch. It's yeah, I can't good. remember what they call that genre, but it's uh, it's become a genre unto itself. Yeah, which I guess makes sense. Um, next up was one I put on just while I was washing the dishes, and uh, it's on Shutter. I don't know. I'm sure it's in other streaming services, but this might have been my watch of the week. Uh, Leap of Faith, William Friedkin on The Exorcist. Oh, so yeah, yeah, the documentary? Yeah, um... I don't know if Friedkin directed it as well as made it, but you know, I don't know if he did. What's that? I don't know if he did. I'm trying to think if he did. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he didn't. I don't think he did actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, but um, he did a short documentary on a priest. Yep, which I've seen. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, But so that Uh, might be why you're confusing the two. Maybe. I suspect so. Um, But I watched this, and I have to say, this has become like if I did top 30 for the year this would probably be in the top 10 to 20 mm. i really really like this because we've all seen the supplemental features and all the making of stuff about the exorcist but the thing i love about this is as a film fan and freaking's a great storyteller um as a film fan the way he goes into some of his artistic influences certain painters musicians yeah there's a really great moment in this when he's talking to Max von Sydow and he's recounting how Monsito's not nailing the scene the way he wants to. And he goes, look, I'm a one take guy, you know, and he goes and talks about like a Kubrick taking, you know, he says like a million takes and all this stuff. But there's a moment he says, look, Max, he goes, I'll fly in Ingmar Bergman and he'll direct the scene for you. Just got to <laughs> nail this. And the payoff with that scene, when von Sydow mentions, why he's having problems with the scene, it's then chill down my spine. Mm. And uh, it just, it's such a good documentary. I high recommend for me. Really good. So Leap of Faith, it's called. Nice. Uh, next up was Hereditary Rewatch. Yeah. So William wanted to want to see, he's, I'm not, didn't want to show Braden this one. Well, Braden went to bed. Went, okay, okay, William, time to play in the big boy end of the pool. He'd seen Midsommar. Um, we watched this again. I feel like this benefited a rewatch. Like it, I, you know, was better on a rewatch. Mm. Um, I still think Tony Collette's so good. She's just such a tremendous actress. 
Um, yeah, Ariaster's the real deal. I mean, I thought it before, but I feel, feel like he's cemented his place more with me uh, looking back at his first two films. And it's funny because I feel like another film I watched this week totally lifts, um, not lifts the, the kill from this, but sort of the emotional shock that one of the kill early kills in this film mm. does. So mm. I won't say too much. Uh, next up was Saul Bass's Phase 4. Bit of a blind spot for me all these years. Yeah, I think it's the only thing he ever directed, right? Is that yeah, yeah. So this is a good one. Yeah, it's become a it's become a bit of a cult film because of Saul Bass. I think the only thing he ever did. Yeah, yeah. Who'd have thought ants would be terrifying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I do. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't find them terrifying in real life. But I've I, somewhere along the way, some I've seen an ant documentary and stuff, and that's a that's a strange and dark society. Yeah. So, you know what? I'm only actually, I'm going to talk about one more right now because in because we have a short turnaround. Uh-huh. So, yeah, and I've been grinding pretty hard. So I got, I'm going to talk about one more. Uh, rewatched, another rewatch with Braden. He's, it's funny now to see their horror tastes. Um, he really likes kind of the haunted house stuff. He loved the Conjuring films. So I wanted to put on Insidious for him. Um, have you seen Insidious? Uh, I have, yeah, yeah, I've seen it. I, I, I quite like Insidious. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, good. It's good. It's, it's, it's uh, of all those Scott Derrickson, I think, of all those horror films he's yeah. made, that's the James one I Wan. think's the best. James Wan. James Wan. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. But I, I agree. get those two confused sometimes. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, you're running in similar uh, train tracks, but um, yeah, rewatched it. Still quite dug it. There's a few great scenes. I love the. Um, the ghost effects, if you will, or the the monster effect, are pretty creepy. Um, and I, and listen, I like that this kind of turns the genre of the haunted house film kind of on its ear a little bit. Not to, to give anything away. Um, and your protagonist kind of shifts from the usual, which I like. So, yeah, this is a good one. And again, in the age we're in, sequel, sequel, sequel. I didn't want to tell Braden, and at the end. Uh, He's like, what? There's another one. <laughs> so I know, I know he's dying. His picks up, I think, next. What? <laughs> <laughs> like that, uh, like that phone call in Christmas Story. You, you know what your son said? What? What? <laughs> yeah, but I think I know. I guarantee you, he's going to pick Insidious too. It's his next uh, pick for sure. So anyway, that one's not oh, bad either. It's it's pretty good too. Yeah, if I. Th- I don't know if I've seen it, to be honest, but yeah, it's, anyway, it's not as well, good as the first one, but it's pretty good. Yeah. Hey, we'll take it, man. We'll take it. So there, there's my week. Beefy. What's your, what's going on? What's been going on in Sammy world? Yeah, I got quite a bit here and some of the stuff might overlap with some of the stuff you didn't talk about or maybe didn't finish. So I'll just kind of go through them here pretty quick. Uh, watch an animated film with my daughter uh, called luck. It's an Apple original. Yes, it, it was it was pretty good. It, it was very overly it, it's long. It's almost two hours long and it's very overly complicated with its world building, I think. So I kind of took my daughter out of it a little bit, uh, trying to explain luck and basically kind of mixing in faith and everything else. And not not in a pro faith way, but just in, you know, trying to make sense of everything. And uh, so it was a little weird, um, but I, I wouldn't. I don't know. Only for the morbidly curious would I say check that one out. I mean, I, I don't think not morbidly, but uh, certainly curious. Yeah, you got to be into that kind of stuff, I think, and or have a young child that's into animated films. And uh, Landon watched it with us too, and he was kind of like, "Yeah, it was good, but it wasn't, you know, amazing." So um, that's where I'll stand on that one. 
uh, Werewolf by Night. I'm sure you, uh, I don't know if you finished it or not, but I did. Yeah, yeah. We watched that. Uh, we had a pretty good time with that. It wasn't bad. It was pretty good. Um, uh, I like the, uh, you know, seeing the man thing. That was nice. And, uh, you know, being a longtime man thing fan. Um, that was fun. And uh, I don't know. It's not exactly what I would do with Werewolf by Night, but uh, but I, that's because I'm a fan of the comic. And so they have to do something different. So I admire the swing for the fence, though, because yeah. um, uh, it, it uh, Marvel is so notorious for doing the same things over and over and over again, I think, that it's, it's nice. Step outside the comfort zone. Yeah, it's definitely nice for them to step outside of that and do something kind of cool it does have the the typical marvel fight scenes in it which i don't really care for yeah i think you got you know there's some things that they feel obligatory okay you know i will talk about quickly since you you are talking about i loved it yeah absolutely loved it i can't recommend it enough it's got a great classy vibe like a classy horror vibe it doesn't look cheap uh guy garcia banal who i love is great in it mm-hmm. it's great to see him i think everyone, everyone seems to be on the same page like they get the memo mm-hmm of what they're doing it's fun and again it's under an hour yeah 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 it's pretty nice maybe the nicest part is it's under an hour i yeah i i, I like the werewolf makeup at least the face i don't know if i like the pubic hair werewolf makeup but you know i'll go with it doesn't the doesn't it kind of remind you of the american werewolf in london like like a little bit transformation a little bit werewolf? yeah a little bit they did a smart thing and then uh, to save money and didn't really show like much of the transformation. They like cut away and stuff. That's kind of a smart way to do it. And yeah. I think that was kind of a nice touch. And I'm a big werewolf guy. So, yeah, you I mean, I did enjoy it. Uh, it is a little bit of werewolf as superhero, which is yeah. it's OK. But it's, it, you know, I only say that because of the you know, massive jumps and things that you seems like you just have to do. Again, the Marvel fight scene aspects of it. But overall, we did enjoy it, and uh, the length probably had a lot to do with it. Really did. Some punchy man, just short and just yeah, very simple, quick, and yeah, it's. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know what they're gonna do with that. Um, yeah, I don't know well, what they're gonna do with it either. They might just uh, maybe they just make Halloween specials like every year or something. Yeah, that yeah, might all, might not be a bad idea. Yeah, I I loved it. I, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, a year seems like a long time when you're young, but you trust me, it'll be here before you know it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll start teasing it in August or something. And yeah, um, watched a film called Premen, 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 maybe Preman, Preman. Uh, this is on the Haya channel. Uh, this is a uh, an Indonesian action movie, a modern Indonesian action film. Oh, yeah. And uh, in saying that, it does have some some Indonesian Indonesian action elements, um, but not as bonkers as the ones we love from the past. Uh, it's pretty much a yeah, it's pretty much a straight up action film. It's not. Uh, uh, it concerns a, a deaf man who's kind of part of this kind of uh, league of uh, almost like gangsters, but town protectors as well, but not in a good way. Called the Premen. And uh, they're kind of they're kind of more like I don't know if they're good or they're bad. They're they they're they certainly seem bad. Uh, well, they're definitely bad. Um, this has a nice. It has though the fight scenes are pretty good. It's a little violent. It has a crazy kind of assassination kind of cleaner character called the barber, uh, played with a homosexual bent, like a flary homosexual bent. Yeah, it's kind of fun. And uh, but it has a father son angle that's pretty good. And that really kind of carries the weight of the movie and uh, might be worth checking out for that reason. Uh, I can't, 
you know, I can't recommend it to everybody, but certainly if you like Asian action films, I think you you could do worse. It's short too, an hour and a half. So uh, there's that. Uh, Landon, he he doesn't like um, he doesn't like jump scares much, but he's always challenging himself with the jump scares, right? Oh, nice. Which is a totally different element of horror films, right? It so, is. So yeah. yeah. So he asked me, you know, is there something that has a lot of jump scares in it? And I'm like, well, yeah, I know one film that is is almost all a jump scare. And that's all it is. And he's like, well, what is it? And I was like, well, it's called Drag Me to Hell. Oh, yeah. I saw you watch this. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I was wondering if he was in on this one. Yeah. And I said, uh, you can watch that. No problem. Um, and I said, you'll probably see, you know, you'll see what I wanted to see with Dr. Strange, maybe as far as uh, camera work and things like that. But we didn't get. And he's like, OK, well, let's watch it. And sure enough, it jump scared him a lot. Uh, so much so that I got punched in the arm quite a bit uh, and uh, a lot of reactions. But he got to see, you know, uh, you know, old school Hollywood film tricks. That's that's really what that movie is. I mean, it's it's Sam Raimi just having fun with like every horror trope trick for a jump scare you can pull off. And uh, he got to see it, and he got to see the setup and everything. And, you know, the moments of silence, and then the moments of when you think you're being baited into a jump scare and there's not one. And the moments when you they're not being baited into a jump scare and there is one. <laughs> And uh, I was like, he's just totally manipulating you. And I was like, I, and you know, I, I still feel the same way about the movie. I don't know if the, I don't think the film's great. I don't. I think it's, I think it's a, it's a film that, it's a movie movie. Um, there's nothing deep there, but that's okay. Every now and then, right? I mean, oh, totally. It's it's a fun house ride. It's yeah, it's got some good gross out moments. Yeah, it's got some great gross out stuff. Like, it can be profound or anything. It 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 can be. It can just be a ride, and that's what that one is. And it's it's really short too. I mean, it really moves fast. It's like an hour and thirty minutes. Right? Yeah, it's under ninety. I like maybe it's eighty eight minutes or something like that. Which I think is wise considering the energy of that film. Yes, yes. I think if it was made today, it'd be two hours and forty four minutes long. Probably. Oh, it would just be fatiguing, just exhausting. Um, watched uh, the monsters. Uh, so I got. But I got roped into this via text conversation I was having with uh, the Not a Bomb guys and 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 Jose about Rob Zombie films and everything else and my defense of Rob Zombie films and uh, some of their hatred of Rob Zombie films and somehow I got roped into this thing and uh, evidently we're going to record a, a bullet bonus episode for them about it. I don't have anything to say about. It. I'm not going to say anything about it on the show. <laughs> it's not. Uh, yeah, it, that movie's not for me. That's what I'll say. Then it's definitely not for me. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I don't know who this movie's for. I think it's I think it's just for I think it's just. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just for Rob Zombie and his wife. Yeah. I will say the sets are amazing and some of the style choices are amazing. I still think the, I think the film looks cheap, but uh, the colors and stuff, uh, it's it's one of those kind of. And Rob Zombie's quickly becoming the, uh, if he's not careful, he's going to quickly become the the Ray Dennis Steckler of his generation, or maybe the uh, maybe the Andy Milligan if he's not careful or something. Um, which he, maybe he already was, and I just appreciate him a bit more. But uh, yeah, anyway. I'll talk about that more. You'll hear that on, if you listen to Not a Bomb. You'll hear that at some point. Uh, checked out The Dark Knight Rises last night with Landon. Still holds up pretty good. We had a lot of fun with it. Um, I got to do my 
Bane impersonations all night long. Just about to ask, did you do yeah. Bane? Impossible. <laughs> yeah, we had we had all kinds of fun with that. I love that. Oh, oh yeah. and uh, it's 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 one of those voices and choices that um, it, it works on both. Uh, it works as as a serious bad guy and it works as a comedic bad guy. And you know, it, it's interesting. It's interesting the way it works out. Oh yeah. Uh, quite good um and quite fun i can't remember some of the stuff he says in the movie <laughs> the batman what does he say uh, <laughs> you, you live in the dark i was born in it made from it yeah something. yeah stuff like that yeah i know when i'd be wrestling with the kids i'd be oh batman i'd have <laughs> yeah. like william yeah. or Bam spin him around yeah it's that kind of it's that kind of voice right it's like a darth vader voice almost in a way <laughs> you can use yeah. it in, like when you're goofing off Oh, I love it. You'll never know the power of the dark side. You know, you can say stuff like that, but you can also do it in the Bane voice, you know? Wow, you're not going to eat those crackers, hmm? (laughs) (laughs) I survived on crackers and water. Yeah. You completely fed them as a snack. I lived on them. Yes. I I cherished that cracker. It's very. It's just a lot of fun. I find it. (laughs) It's just a lot of fun to do the voice and stuff. Yeah. And and you know Hardy's one of those yeah yeah and Hardy's one of those guys you know he just has a presence and stuff and it's really kind of fun watching him and uh, Bale who also has a presence kind of go toe to toe so heavyweights man yeah and then there's uh, there's good action sequences in there I think really no one just needs to do like a car action movie uh, a la like Ronin like uh, Frankenheimer did toward the end of his career because you know this the car stuff and this is good and the car stuff he did in Tenet was really good. I I think he just needs to do a full on car action film. I think he's got he's got a lot of zest there. So I'd like to see that. Get away from all the time travel and science for a little while. Um last but certainly not least, I should mention Halloween ends. I watched that and Oh, did you now? I didn't realize you did. Yeah, oh yeah. no, I did. Okay, so then I'll talk about it too. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I don't want to say too much about it. I actually got invited onto the Watch Skip Plus podcast, which is recording tonight, to uh, talk about that. So I'll and, save my then. I'll yeah, yeah. I won't say too much. Uh, I will just say that I liked it. Okay. Uh, and uh, I, I probably, it seems to be the most divisive film of the year, uh, arguably. Maybe so. Maybe so. Um, which... Um, I'm kind of surprised by, but kind of not surprised by, because I think they took a, they took a very interesting approach to this film for a slasher film, and I think a lot of people went into it expecting a slasher film, and uh, you get a little bit of that, but it's not much of a slasher film, <laughs> uh, not in some ways anyway, and uh, I think that was an interesting approach and a gutsy approach, and uh, I kind of admired it for that, but I can understand if folks uh, did not. Uh, and some folks really did not. <laughs> so yeah. It's kind of all over the place. It has not sat well with a lot of people. No, it has not. Um, and that trilogy has been troublesome for some people. But i got to be honest, I've quite enjoyed the David Gordon Green, Danny McBride Halloween. Uh, even the ridiculousness of Halloween Kills. I kind of liked it. Oh, it gets very ridiculous. Yeah. But, I, you know, I, I think it's uh, it's interesting. And I have a theory on the whole thing, which maybe I'll share on the Watch Skip Plus episode. So. That's it. There you go. You can check that out over there. Uh, there we go. That's it. That's everything. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know if we have anything else. Uh, well, you know what? I, you know what time it is? No. What time is it? I think it's time for this or that. 
je joue Moi je joue, à joue contre joue Je veux jouer, je joue contre vous Mais vous le voulez-vous De tout cœur Je veux gagner ce cœur à cœur Vous connaissez mon jeu par Yeah Ooh. All right Here we are with another this or that So I got one from uh, Jose. He felt inspired to send one in. Um, this one, uh, this one, uh, I think came from our review. He listened to the review of uh, Sleepwalkers, and uh, he came up with this one. And here is his this or that: Erica Alaniac, Alaniac. I think it's his. Yeah. Or Machina Mick. I'm Machina Mick. Yeah. You know, I like. Eric uh, and Leniak. Yeah, so did I. She was. <laughs> yeah, she was on. Was she on? Bay, did she do Baywatch for a little while? She sure did. I think she was Shawnee, wasn't she? Yeah, I think so. Um, I remember her in uh, a Dennis Hopper film that was really good or pretty good. I think it was called Chasers, maybe or something. I can't remember the name of the film. Um, and then I remember was she in? Wasn't she the one in Under Siege? Wasn't she in that? Yeah, pretty sure she was. Yeah, it came out of the cake. Uh, the one Steven Seagal that came out of the cake. At least I don't think it was. I, I think I would have remembered that. But uh, I like her. But yeah, she's no mission Amick, as Will said. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, There's there's a bit some subtleties there. I guess you could pronounce it a few different ways. But either way, she's either way. Listen, it's going to take a lot to knock her off the perch. Yeah, she's up there. I invite you all to try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's up there on the perch, quite high right now. Wow. Yeah, just that performance alone. Gives her a lot of, she's got a lot of cash, a lot of cash in the bank with that one right there. She does. It's going to take a while to get back in debt on that one. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, that, that's the only one we got from listeners this week, uh, outside of the ones we got from Walt, and uh, we didn't get any from Jake this week, but that's fine. Uh, you got a couple more? Maybe we can throw a couple more in there. Yeah, I'll throw maybe five at you here. Okay. I might, I, I, I think I have, I think I got one or two here. So I'll go uh, ahead and let you go. So let me just see where I left off. Uh, okay, yeah, I asked you. Mm. Okay, one, two, three, four. <laughs> okay, here we go. Louis Bakalov or Riz Ortolani? Ooh. Um, man, those guys are very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, I think I'm going to go Bakalov. As would I. As yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to go back a love. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Texas Chainsaw 2 or Nightmare on Elm Street 2? Hmm. Well. I, immediately I had a quick answer, but now I'm thinking things through a little bit. I had a quick reaction answer, but. Uh, you know, I'm going to go TCM 2. Nice. Okay. I would be the opposite. I would go. I love both are great. Both, yeah, both are great. I just. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. At least today, I'm going TCM too. Okay, cool, cool. Both uh, both Roger. of them are dealing with sexuality though in a weird way. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They're both uh, overtly sexual in a maybe. I don't. I don't know if it's a healthy way. It's it's a weird way. It's definitely a fetishized way. Yeah, yeah. There's some things in both. Um, Roger, who framed Roger Rabbit or Heavy Metal? Uh, I'm more of a heavy metal guy. I thought you would be. Yeah. I you would be. 
I love both. I'm probably Roger Rabbit on this one, but yeah. I do love heavy metal. Yeah, I'm not a uh, I'm not a big fan of Roger Rabbit. Believe it or not, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, no. not a big not a big fan. Finest stuff out about Sammy that I haven't known all these years. Later. Yeah, wow. okay. just never really had. I mean, I, I appreciate it. Sure. And the technology elements and everything else, and of course, I love me some Jessica Rabbit, but yes, um, yeah, just not a big fan of the film. Like it doesn't have a like it doesn't have a soft spot for me. I, I remember liking it. I just it's yeah. not something I revisit very often. Okay, that's fair. Uh, Mash or Nashville? Of course, the Altman films in both cases. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Because both of them have TV shows now. Uh, yeah. Not, not. I think Mash was actually based on the film, but Nashville, the TV show is a different type of beast. Um, I'm gonna go Nashville on that one. I think Nashville is the better film of the two. I like Mash a lot, though. Did That's we? A hard one. Did we? Re- we reviewed Mash, didn't we? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't think we did, but <laughs> I don't know if we did or not either. Oh, man. Um, I love both. That's a hard one. I'm kite. I might lean mash. I don't know, man. I'm going to go mash just, just to be a contrarian, I guess, but I love both. Uh, this one I hope is hard for you. Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Halloween. Hmm. Well, I mean, uh, both are great. Um, that's uh, that goes without saying. Um, and really, more often than not, that's a mood thing because they're both they both have a very different feel. Yeah, they do. One feels uh, kind of dangerous and hot and sweaty, <laughs> and the other one feels uh, you know kind of cool and and safe and suburban, right? Yeah, very true. So they both have a different feel, but as I've often argued, um. I don't really consider it's weird. I don't really consider the Texas Chainsaw Massacre films slasher films. And they are in a way. They are. I, I mean, I know what you mean. I know. But they're more about the mood and the kind of fetishization of violence and stuff. Well, they are, and they also, you know, are at a time not to get into many read, but where you know Vietnam and horrors were on TV, and that kind of translates into the horrors we're seeing, and um. Yeah, it's it's almost just also there was that weird mistrust of city folk w- towards rural folk right at this time in film. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, uh, but but I think you know I've often said, and you know this, I, I think Halloween is like the perfect uh, slasher film for me. Yeah. Uh, just the pacing of it, the way it works, the simplicity of it. So I'm going to go Halloween. Okay, very nice. I'm going to go TC. I'm going to go TCM. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's a hard one, and yeah, we, you know, with my kids in the past decade has made me because when we did our review of Halloween one, I've always thought it was overrated. Uh-huh. But since our review and since watching it with my kids, because it's Braden's favorite all time, my appreciation's grown significantly. Not yeah. that I ever thought it was shit. Yeah, yeah. You know. It's interesting though; those two films compared to Friday the Thirteenth Part One or Nightmare on Elm Street Part One. Like I love both of those as well, but to me, Halloween and TCM are like. Like they're full points above those two. And, yeah, and and listen, I'm I'm completely with you, but I almost like not almost. I absolutely feel like TCM and Halloween are in another class altogether. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not and again, nothing against Friday. I love Friday Thirteenth Part One. I think it's great, and I think. And I love Nightmare. I love Nightmare. I love Part One especially. I mean, it's my favorite, and always will be my favorite. It's very well done. So, but they just have a certain level of. 
you know, I hate to say that, but I mean, TCM, even as cheap as it looks in some ways and everything else, it just, they just have a certain level of class in the filmmaking that's a little different than those two. There's craftsmanship. You know, you get filmmakers that really elevated the genre and brought the, those those films are in the pop culture mm-hmm. and in the subconscious. I, I would argue that most people that have heard of Chainsaw, think I always think of that movie to this day. Yeah. Always. Uh, with Halloween, I mean, I don't know. I don't know that if I see a hedge, I expect someone to jump out from behind or stand behind it. But it's woven in there. Like if you know, I'm about to crawl down in a closet and do something, or I see a a metal coat hanger kind of jangling in a closet, I think of <laughs> yeah, 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 Lucky, right. So yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting. All right, well, that's it, man. That's all I got. All right, I got a couple. Just kind of inspired by this week's watch. Uh, how about uh, this uh, for you, George Romero or Eddie Romero? <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with old Georgie. Georgie really um, planted seeds of love for me. As uh, oh, Eddie planted some seeds as well. But uh, yeah, I get you. I love Eddie Romero. I think he's he's a very fun, fun filmmaker. But yeah, yeah. George, George has been in my life longer. We definitely need to uh, do some Eddie Romeros. We totally do. Uh, Stephen King or Dean Koontz? King. Yeah, I think so. King yeah. has this, uh, the reason why King is so successful is he has this natural ability to make everything relatable. Yes. And even if it's absolutely ridiculous, like if you've ever read the Lawnmower Man short story and or something like that, and it's absolutely insane, he somehow finds a way to make you buy into it. It's true. And I, I'll, I'll never, under, I don't I don't know very many writers that can do that. No, he immerses you in it, man. Yeah. Uh, last one, uh, maybe the toughest one of the three here. Are you lonesome tonight or love me tender? Oh man. <laughs> tough. Tougher than, than I expected it to be. When I, when I wrote it down, I was like, oh, that's easy. But then as I've thought about it sitting here, I'm like, Ooh, maybe that's not as easy as I thought. I'll go with, are you lonesome tonight? You know what? I like where your head's at. I like that one as well because I think that one translates better to like different forms of music. Like you can do a country version of that. You can do a rock version. You can do a punk version. I think it all works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love both. I do, but. I do too. I do too. Yeah. Love Me Tender is one of the first songs I learned how to play on guitar. Pretty great. Was it hard? Uh, not, not not too hard. And uh, are you talking about the guitar? Are you talking about. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Garrett style. You're talking about my croissant? Yeah, croissant. <laughs> It's quite a croissant. Kentucky croissant. <laughs> uh, the, uh, yeah, yeah. The yeah, that's a good movie, too. Love Me Tender. Underrated Elvis film. People Agreed. should check it out. It's no harem scarum, that's for sure. No, no, we're kissing cousins, but I'll take it any day. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a short break, uh, come back and talk the dark half. We'll be back right after this. <laughs> Yeah. 
There we go. All right. I love it. Yeah, that song features prominently in this uh, film, almost as prominently as uh, Sleepwalking uh, does in uh, Sleepwalkers. So I was going to say Santo and Johnny was the name of the film, but no. Nope, uh, nope. <laughs> That's a good name for a film, though. Sounds like yeah. an Italian Western. Yes, it does. Um, okay, so here we are with the dark half. Uh, George R. Romero's the uh, George A. I kept saying George R. I don't know why I did that, but maybe because of George R. R. Martin. Yeah, probably, maybe, or maybe just because I got it wrong. Let's just put that. Let's just be honest. Let's call. <laughs> let's call it what it is. All right. Um, uh, a writer's fictional alter ego wants to take over his life at any price. All right. So this one is uh written by George Romero, uh, from the novel The Dark Half, Stephen King. Uh, a novel he wrote after kind of bringing out the if folks remember at one point, uh, nobody knew that Stephen King was Richard Bachman. And uh, he eventually announced that he was. And writers will sometimes use pseudonyms to uh, maybe uh, it's almost like uh, it's almost like directors using pseudonyms, right? To maybe do a trashy movie or a trashy book or something darker or something, something that may they may be judged for. Right. And uh, the Bachman books, if you've ever read any of the Richard Bachman books, one of them is really uh, disturbing at this point because it's about a uh, a classroom being hijacked by a kid who feels, uh, I think it's called Rage, um, um, who feels slighted and uh, with a gun and everything. Really uh, scarily poignant uh, film uh, story at this point. Um, uh, I recommend people read that. It's a good, it's a good read. But uh, yeah, you got to be ready for that. It's kind of dark. Um, so this one's got Timothy Hutton in it, uh, Amy Madigan's in here, Michael Rooker popping up. We get uh, Robert Joy, who's uh, a bit of a character actor we all know. Kent Broadhurst back, the uh, the dad from Silver Bullet, if you remember, uh, yeah. that, that had that moment. Uh, Beth Grant in here, she plays uh, uh, Thad's uh, mom in the beginning. That lady always seems like she plays somebody's mom. Yeah, I think she was even in, she plays a mom in Donnie Darko, too. Yeah, I think so. Ocean <laughs> mom or whatever. Yeah. And uh, one other actor I want to mention here, Royal Dano. This is Royal Dano's, uh, Dano's last film. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Royal Dano is, uh, if you don't know him, you do know him. He's a great character actor from Hollywood's past. Had a great character name in here, Digger Holt. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, he's a great guy. Uh, great uh, vocal delivery. Um, and unique character actor, one of those just very unique kind of Western character actors. So, um, I had seen this before, saw it in the theater uh, a long time ago. It actually was made in '91, but Orion, which we saw the Orion logo at the beginning of this, uh, was in financial trouble. They may have been going under at the time this was made, so it got held for a couple years before it got released. Um, eventually came out in '93, I believe. So. This is your first time watching it. Uh, what did you think on this visit with uh, another King property? Yeah, uh, this was interesting. Um, so as I said, I'd read the book uh, probably when I was about 12, mm -hmm. something like that. And I remember um, the duality stuff being very effective. I remember some pretty shocking violence. I remember the birds. Were they finches? I can't remember. Sparrows? Uh, they're supposed to be sparrows, but I believe in the movie they actually used finches. Okay, so maybe that's why I said finches. And yeah, I mean, there is some CGI here, but it's early days of CGI, so there was a good chunk of this bird stuff that was, I think the anything where people weren't involved, I think, was real birds. Okay. 
Okay. Um, Cutthroat finches is what they're called. I didn't know there was such an. That's the actual name of them. I didn't know there was such a thing as a cutthroat finch. That's intense. (laughs) That is. Man. They must have like a marking on their throat or something. Maybe that's why they call them a cutthroat. I don't know. Or they're just bastards. I don't know. I to, I'm, I'm getting ready to Google cutthroat finches, though. have a penchant for throat slashing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, this one has a good cast. Uh, if you love, you know, you love film, there's a lot of familiar faces. Amy Madigan, uh, first time on her show since Streets of Fire. And I got to say her haircut in this uh, is much better than her haircut in Streets of Fire. Uh, yes. Yes, not even not even close. And she looks like Raggedy Ann and her haircut in Streets of Fire. Uh, yes, the cutthroat finch has a red marking around its throat, so it looks like its throat's been cut. Okay, there we go. Yeah. It's a pretty bird, so, though. Pretty bird. Yeah, pretty birdie. Yeah. Uh, I feel like if I say it enough, you'll repeat it just like a parrot. Pretty bird, pretty bird. Pretty bird. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's almost 30 years on. Right, we're basically thirty years on with this one. Yeah, yeah, that's that's two of these because these came out back to back. These two films we've talked about the last couple of weeks. Yep, and uh, so they're both aged about thirty years. So it's interesting to kind of go back and look at and that. That's one of the reasons that it kind of inspired me to pick it was because you know these thirty years of horror films. Now it's kind of interesting. It is the the '90s are often looked at as a dark time for horror films, and I think by and large that's probably fair, but. I think you can mine a lot of good stuff if you're willing to go deeper into the mines, right? You can, so, yes. You, there's definitely some good stuff in there. Um, I think that one of the reasons this one would probably appeal to you is because you are always someone to me that is fascinated with the duality of man. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, I just hit my elbow on a chair. And, and uh, you know, if you've hit your elbow before, that's no fun. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm really angry right now. Oh, man, I can't help but make that dad joke anytime one of my kids is on. Or I'm famous for the, they hurt their finger or something. Oh, we have to amputate it. Yeah. You know, know, when I hit my elbow, my wife always laughs. And I'm like, you know, it's always, the reason why they call it a funny bone is because it's funny for somebody else. If it happens to you, it's not funny. Oh, man. And I I, I always have this weird moment that we're really sidetracking here. But maybe this is the duality of man. Maybe this is related. I have this moment of rage <laughs> when I hit my elbow where I'm like, son of a bitch. And um, it's it's past now. So I moved on. I dropped my George Stark. I'm back to my Thad Beaumont. I'm good to go. It's almost fitting that. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like it happened on purpose. Maybe I should sit down and write a novel. Um, yes, you are right, Will. I do enjoy the duality of man. I do enjoy the. I, I don't know, you know, we'll talk about whether Romero and King uh, kind of nail it here, but um, I do think that there is one part of the story that I do quite like, and it's that that idea that, you know, pseudonyms are interesting for writers because, again, they can get away with maybe more. Creative liberty, they don't have to. They won't be judged. Yeah, they won't be judged for going down a dark path or anything like that. And I think societal-wise, society-wise, we are always kind of worried about being kind of judged uh, for being, well, for, you know, for anything, for being the parents we are, for being the person we are, for being anything. So sometimes we just don't let people know kind of our darkest fantasies or maybe our darkest uh, thoughts, right? Of course. Um, in a very, very knee-jerk um, society nowadays, right? So Yeah, especially now. Yeah, especially now. Now it's... Uh, 
it seems to be like you can't say anything now. Uh, you know, if you say anything like, oh, well, I really enjoy rape revenge films. Well, that's because you're a pig. No, that, that has nothing to do with it. <laughs> right. There's a visceral uh, response. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's a judgmental response now. And it's, it's, it's kind of a shame because that's not it. I just like the dark fantasy of the rape revenge film. Right. Yeah. And it pays off really well, but it doesn't have anything to do with real life. Like I would never even five seconds contemplate anything like that. No, exactly. I mean, films uh, an escape, right? So yeah, stories so, and films. It's what I said a long time ago. Political correctness it has the potential to ruin storytelling because we have to have our that valve has to be open to every possibility possible. I mean, it, it, it can't be shut. With art, it does. In society, political correctness is important as long as it's you know. Uh, yes. It kept. It, I don't want to say in check. You know, we're going on a road here. I don't want to go down. But yeah, yeah. Uh, even political correctness. But as with anything, uh, you know, anything can go too far. Yeah, right? I don't. I don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with political correctness as a way of living your life. I think there's a sincere and whatnot. But I think as and as we've seen with comedy and with art and with writing and things like that, it's been incredibly detrimental. I think to those forms. Yes. Yes. Because you're you're absolutely. Um, Pumping the brakes on things and you're the, restraining. There's your, just this attitude, right, that if you go to see a comedian and they make a joke about, let's say, African-American people, that you're supporting the joke. But you're not. You're laughing at the ridiculousness of the stereotype. But some for some strange reason, people don't know how to disconnect from that anymore. And I don't, I don't know how that happened. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. But it's, um, it's interesting to look at it in this film from... 30 years on because you can look at this from two different ways. You can look at it, like we said, the duality of man, but you can also look at it in a very literal sense where King wrote this because he, like the pressures of someone to fit inside a box creatively, right? The, the creative process, the artistic process and how liberating, um, the anonymity is yeah and you right. can look at it too as like almost like a microcosm of hollywood right i mean new line cinema they always wanted to be the art house but they were funded by horror films or even just listen you look at hollywood like the hollywood babylon era like the you know the 30s and 40s they had this this sterling image but behind closed doors boy there were a lot of monsters yeah I, I, or you know pornography for instance pornography makes billions of dollars a year uh, someone's buying it yeah, and uh, to make to be one of the highest profiting uh, businesses in the world, I'd say a lot of people are buying it. <laughs> a lot of people are absolutely, and it's it's kind of amazing to me. It's kind of like this, you know, we don't talk about it, so it don't exist, right? No, of course, of course. So, it, it, but it, it 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 is that kind of thing. I mean, Hollywood will. I mean, nowadays B movies make all the money. Uh, you know, you think about some of the biggest movies of all time. They're I mean, you could argue that superhero films are, they would have been B films, you know, 50, 60 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, things like science fiction and things like that. These things are huge films now. Yeah. Um, so Hollywood has always had this really weird relationship. And in that way, so has people who love, who criticize art and novelizations and everything else. Like, you know, the idea that you write the great American novel or the idea that you write a novel that shocks everybody and sells 5 billion copies. Which one is the better? Are you happy to be starving artist your whole life? Are you happier to be successful? 
Or are you somewhere in between? Were you happy just making a career out of being a writer like some writers would? Well, if you can be lucky enough to do one for them, one for you, like the Clooney's and Pitts and so yes. on. Yeah, yeah, Orson Welles, all those folks. Yeah, you're then you're doing. You're Maybe doing not Orson Welles. Maybe th- that's probably a different type of luck. That that that, that, that didn't really pan out too well, probably for him. But exactly. yeah, the, yeah, that was exactly. a bit a bit torturous if you read any of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, this uh, this one, uh, you know, the duality, the the ego, um, that stuff's on display. If you just want to look at it that way, and I think for the benefit of the film. From a personal level, maybe King felt, you know, the way he felt. But us as viewers, I think it's easier for us to look at this as more duality of man. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's funny looking at Hutton in certain shots in this. He reminded me of Ray Liotta. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I read some things about it behind the scenes that Hutton and uh, Romero didn't get along. Oh, really? Yeah, which is kind of a shame. I mean, it's always a shame when you read that kind of stuff. But uh that is too bad because I I don't know either of them. I yeah. don't remember. You know, kind. You know, he, yeah, he, he just, seems like a very kind man, right? But I guess they just, you know, sometimes, I mean, that happens with the kind of, I mean, let's be honest, that happens to all of us. Yeah. There's sometimes you meet somebody whose personality is just not like yours and you're just not going to get along no matter how hard you try. No, but it's weird because Hutton seems like, again, this is just an assumption, like a nice guy. Yeah. Maybe he was going through some stuff at the time. Who knows? Like you said, sometimes people just don't jive, but... Um, or maybe he didn't like the material. I know that, uh, again, this comes down to the kind of reputation, but you know, some actors think that once they start making horror films, that they're below it or yeah. they're above it. Yeah. I mean, right. you're talking about an actor, you're talking about Hutton, who's an actor who, you know, was nominated for an Academy Award. I don't know if he won one, but he was definitely nominated for Ordinary well, his, People. His star was brighter in the 80s for sure. And I, yeah. I wouldn't say he was necessarily on the downturn, but it felt like he's a guy that just faded away and. But I think, no disrespect intended to Hutton, but I, I've never found him electric. Well, that's just it, right? I mean, we we can talk about this a little bit. He's just, he's very, he's very. I think he's the right choice for this role. Yeah, no. he's very workable. Like he 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 can fit into any role, but he's not going to stand out in any role. He's not going to bring the juice right needed for the uh, the Stark side of things and he does this weird rockabilly thing that we'll we'll get into in a bit yeah it's a bit odd i mean it's that's in the book but yeah it doesn't really it, timothy hutton it seems like kind of struggles with it a little bit you know what they could have done here missed opportunity they could have cast rooker as beaumont stark because rooker would have delivered the stark stuff in spades and hutton <laughs> yes. as a nice smart intrepid sheriff yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have been bad. Obviously, Rooker wasn't a big as, as big a name as he is no. now. He was his star was kind of up and coming. But I agree with you. I was thinking while I was watching this that Rooker would have been the better start because he really nails that. Even though I don't think he's Southern by nature, is he not? Because he's done draws in a few films that made me always think he was. I'm gonna look and see. So um, like, I, I'll tell you what, I adore. He was Jasper Alabama, man. Okay, so well, he he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, I love Michael Rooker, and when he showed up in the, not the sidetrack in the Guardians films, like God, what? Like he's just great, man. Yeah, he's a great character. He's actor. a gift. He's such a gift. Yeah, yeah, he's great. He's he's and it, it doesn't matter the quality of the film. He's always bringing it, man. He's always bringing it. And, and see, that's the thing. Like he could have brought the juice needed for Stark, and that to me is one of the biggest problems I have with this film. Yeah, is Hutton is miscast. He can do the the Tad Beaumont stuff. He cannot do the Stark stuff and where he doesn't have that electricity that, that, that the edginess, the danger. Yeah. That. 
I agree with you. I think that's one of the reasons why when I first saw it, I thought, yeah, it's it's a good movie, but something's missing. And then rewatching it this time, he doesn't have the heft. He doesn't have the the. There is danger there, but it never feels like. Enough. He's not the one manufacturing it, though. Yeah, it's yeah. It's presented in the film, manufacture it. Yeah, it's manufactured by Romero. Right, and and the thing is, like, he has got this weird, like, some scenes he's got this weird, like, '80s cokey Miami look as Stark. Other times, it's like this weird rockabilly Southern fried <laughs> yeah. kind of. Yeah, like, somebody calls him. Uh, uh, I think Timothy Hutton at one point tries to uh, explain him as a cracker accent. Is what he says. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird, and it's. A, I'll be honest, when I first see him with like his like pompadour and his his mutton like his sideburns and stuff i'm like i I laughed i'm like what's this guy doing yeah it's a little ridiculous right it's a bit ridiculous but you know that's where i think there's a disconnect and i'll say the other thing that and this is not a bad film i should say this is not a bad film Mm -hmm. i think it's a missed opportunity to be a really good one though yeah yeah Um, yeah yeah. is did, did this remind you watching this now a little bit of like de palma like de palma dressed to kill uh, a little bit. I think De Palma handles the multiple personalities a little bit better. Much better. Yeah. Much better. And, and that's not, uh, let me, let me say this though. I mean, De Palma does handle them better. Although De Palma does that multiple personality stuff. He can be a bit clunky with it too. And a bit sure. weird, but he does it with a little bit more flourish and a little bit more style. The thing about Romero is Romero is a really solid filmmaker. I think we both can agree with that. Yes. I just don't think when I think of style, I don't, I don't think of George Romero. No, I completely agree. I think Romero's a meat and potatoes director. Yeah, he is. And cerebral, certainly. Yes, yes. He can, listen, he can bring conversations to the table with mm-hmm. his films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That, that absolutely not a lot of, not not every filmmaker can. But, but if you look at all of his films, they almost pretty much all look alike. And there's they, nothing. Yeah, there's no real style there. I mean, I think Martin's as close as, for me, Martin might be as close as it comes to a stylish Romero film. Or I guess, creep show like, but uh, that's, yeah, yeah, that, a little bit, yeah. Beholden to the the comic book aesthetic and wanting to put like the gels in, and you know that's more because it's beholden to wanting to ape the comic, I think, than it is him injecting his style into it. Yeah, I'm gonna look at his filmography right now. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I don't want to make that broad a statement and not be able to back it up. And for most no, part, no. I, I I I look, I like George Romero. You like George Romero. We all love George Romero. He's very important to our youth. Yes. Uh, I mean, to me, regardless of the fact that other people made zombie films before George Romero, the zombie exists because of George Romero. 100%. 100%. But I'm looking at his filmography here, and yeah, Martin is the one that really pops out to me style-wise. Everything else I'm looking at here, pretty much it looks exactly like you think a George Romero film is going to look. Yep. No, and that's the thing, right? Maybe uh, Night of the Living Dead's got a little bit of style to it, certainly. It does. No, it does, for sure. He's got a danger, and, but that's probably the biggest problem. Okay, and the other problem I have with this, so Hutton, maybe the lack of style or handling of the the times, but the way they reveal it, obviously, right? Like I feel like the reveal is done way too soon. Yeah. Now the trailers probably spoiled it, but I feel like this film's better served, and it, or we would have been better served as the viewers to stretch this one out. Like, is it an unreliable narrator? Is he? Beaumont? I mean, is he Stark? Yeah. Stark. Like, what's going on? Is it some weird supernatural thing? Is it someone who loved the Stark books who, you know what I mean? Like, there's other ways you could have done that to keep the viewer guessing, keep them on edge. And Yeah, but yeah, they could have they milked the Robert Joy character more. They totally could have. And uh, they could have went longer. 
And I think yeah. I think it's okay to do it the way they did it. I don't have a problem with that, but I think the problem comes down to what you said. I think the problem is Timothy Hutton is really good as um, suburban dad. Yep. And the Thad Beaumont performance is actually a pretty good performance. Mm-hmm. The pro- the problem is Timothy Hutton as George Stark. It just feels like it just feels like a like a stretch, just one stretch too far for his abilities. Yeah, and sometimes he hits it, but most for the most part, he I don't really think he hits it until the makeup gets applied. Well, then, yeah, once he's really full tilt, it's it's a little better for sure. Yeah, because now he's over the top, and now it's a little bit more interesting, and he looks more interesting, and then it works a little bit. He's wearing a hat at that point, and like an old school toothache uh, thing, and uh, yeah, you know. Long. yeah 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 it it, it it's a, it works a little bit more by that point but by that point though too you know you're talking about a two-hour movie um by that point you're 90 minutes into it so like you said they may have revealed it too soon because he doesn't get interesting until i don't know minute 80 or minute 90 they reveal it too soon and then the film is too too long with not enough punch uh-huh Along the way, like it at times, it almost feels made for TV, like in terms of its restraint. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's as shocking. Like the book has felt more shocking and violent to me. Right. But and even yeah, even little things like the score. I mean, Romero's never been known for his scores, but the score is not very good in this. Um, yeah. Who did the score for this one? I can't remember who I did it. Look, and I, I didn't. But it, it, it's, it's very it's, it's actually, frankly, not good at all. Yeah. I'm going to um, look and see. I can't remember. Like it's goofy and it kind of betrays, I think, what you want for the film. Um, but I'll tell you what, man, I love Amy Madigan. But that was a real rookie move pulling the turkey out like that. Yeah, that's a that's a rookie move. Rookie move. Put it on that thing with the handles so the whole turkey comes out. Like, come yeah. on, Christopher Young, who's a pretty good, uh, he's a pretty good uh, composer, but probably just a little bit maybe on the nose with this one. Yeah, it just doesn't really feel too old timey dated. It just, I don't know. Actually, uh, it's funny. I had a Christopher Young kind of double feature because I did Drag Me to Hell, and that's uh, that's Christopher oh, Young as well. <laughs> I remember that working well. Yeah, that's funny. I know um, he, uh, what I know him most for is probably Hellraiser, I think. Yeah, he did the first Hellraiser film. So he's always oh, kind of been known for the Hellraiser movies. That's interesting. Did you get a, a Jalo vibe with that shiny straight razor? Certainly. And I kind of hoped. Uh, the first time I saw this, I remember even thinking, oh, okay, so he, you know, he, cause we all know that George Romero and Dario Argento were pretty tight for a little while. Oh man. So I, I love like, yeah. So we thought, way. yeah, we thought, I thought when I watched it the first time, I thought, well, they'll, they'll, they'll probably kind of go jolly a little bit here with this. <laughs> and again, the, the, the multiple identity thing is a, is a jolly trope, right? Big time. So I kind of thought that's the way it was going to go, but it didn't go that way. It kind of played it a little bit more safer than that, which is kind of a shame. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is. Like I said, you could have had something if you had have taken the governor off and just, you know, really let this thing ride and, and not. Because I, I wonder if he was betwixt in between where the studio needed him to deliver it at 14A or whatever it is. He wanted to go harder, but he was in at that point and had to just kind of compromise. And when you compromise no one ends up happy right so um maybe maybe it's certainly possible because i mean romero's had he's he always had trouble working with studios yeah so maybe that was the thing too uh you know kent broadhurst the mike (laughs) johnson character he you know where i'm going with this (laughs) 
that dude has a pretty incredible kind of skullet ponytail combo going and he's pretty like he's pretty proud of it yeah he's wearing the romero uh kind of flak jacket too the uh the film yeah. jacket yeah he loved it he loved it. he's strutting around like a peacock with that uh look. yeah so good for him god I think, bless him i think he wears like a like a safari hat for a while there yeah yeah he does weird uh, one thing style this guy will say is there's some moments that they use a lot of blues and reds and things, and that kind of felt like Argento. So I wonder if that was kind of a little bit of Romero injecting some giallo or Italian kind of style into it. Yeah, it does feel like, ultimately, it does feel like in some ways a, now that I think about it, I'm sitting there thinking about it, it does feel like an Italian horror film in some ways, doesn't it? And maybe, maybe it doesn't nail it, but it certainly has those kind of just, those kind of stereotypes that that Italian horror films had, you know, animals and, you know, multiple personalities. There is multiple personalities. But it's missing one heavy component. The sleaze and the violence. Yeah. Sexuality and the violence. Yes. If if it, if it has those, this, this, this film goes up a a point or two just on the virtue of that. Um, I just don't think, uh, Romero, he didn't, after the seventies, he just didn't do, he didn't touch sexuality much in his films. No, no, I, I, that's a, that's a, a good insight or a statement. I, I agree with that because even the gore, like there's not really much gore in this, right? Like it doesn't feel very. No, I mean, the coolest part of this movie, I think we both can agree is that, um, is that twin moment at the beginning. Yeah. I think, oh, yeah, yeah. I think we needed more of that. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was cool. That, uh, that is a standout moment. <laughs> that is. That that eyeball looking around. Oh man, that's oh, that's disturbing. Hey, how about this? How many movies have we seen where someone goes incognito? So they wear a baseball hat, sunglasses, and pop their collar, <laughs> and now they're incognito. Now it's like the cloak of invisibility. See, I have a problem. See, because I wear a baseball hat a lot. If anybody knows me, they know I wear a ball cap a lot. I can't ever pull that off. You'd have to almost wear like a really wacky hat or some other kind yeah, of hat. I'd have to wear like another kind of hat. No sunglasses. Probably need to shave because my beard's kind of synonymous with me. Or, or, or cut your hair in the gas station. Yeah, yeah, that that works sometimes. Shaving a head, shaving a head still works. Yeah, go blonde and something. You know, I'd have to go without glasses though. Go without glasses because I've worn glasses my whole life. So if I went without glasses, I could probably shave my head and go without glasses and probably do just fine. Pop maybe, that collar up. No one's gonna know it's you. Maybe throw an ascot or a scarf on. I'm good to go. You're good to go for real. Yeah. Um. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that'd be amazing. Uh, what else is amazing is Timothy Hutton's black cowboy boots with silver tips. It feels like in the eighties and nineties, anytime someone had black cowboy boots with silver tips, there was a, an air of menace to them. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where that came from. I don't know. You know what else I didn't know? I didn't know where the twin babies and acid wash jean jackets came from. Hey man, I, I said so in a post on Facebook that it was a double denim decade. It still was in the nineties and the eighties. It was still carrying over for a little while. That was a little, uh, yeah, a little Easter egg that I found. That was, I was like, yeah, these kids look—they're styling and profiling. I love it. Yes. Um, I think uh, if I remember right, Tim Hutton has a blue jeans and a blue jean shirt on at some point. So they get that from their dad. They do, man. They get that from the daddy. Um, you know, it was funny. Do you remember the Nightmare VHS horror game? Yes, I do. So Hutton, when Stark starts like rotting. Mm-hmm. He's got like old timey dental like toothache thing. It's like the nightmare VHS game. He just gets more gross and rotting with every passing minute. His teeth are rotting. It's like the gatekeeper. Yeah. 
And that's wrong. that's as far as the effects go. And I know Tom Savini kind of helped uh, Romero out on this because they were friends. Yeah. So it's possible that that might be some of the Savini some of the Savini work. Because that stuff looks like it looks pretty good. Like you know, the skin's flaking and it's kind of gross. There's some some decent gore at the back end. Uh, I don't want to spoil for anyone, but uh, there is yeah, there is some good stuff at the back end. You know, for sure, for sure. But other than that, I just want to shout out the baby reaction shots to the fighting. <laughs> yeah, they're, good. they're interesting. <laughs> yeah, those are those, those, are those kids are confused. Man, for sure. I don't. I don't, I don't know. I, every time, I, of course, you know, as a parent now, I see that stuff, and I'm wondering, did, did that do anything to those kids? I don't I know. Wonder, is it can they process at that young age what's happening, or is it just? shapes moving well and the reason why i say it yeah i mean the reason why i say it is at that age you know there's basically kids have two responses uh fear and acceptance yes and in my opinion uh they look like they're scared to death there (laughs) but they're certainly confused nobody can tell me they're not confused sitting there like they have no idea where they're at and you can see in scenes when um when timothy hutton's in the makeup that he's holding the kids you can see the kids looking at him too like what is this thing? <laughs> oh, what man. is wrong with this guy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, this, they, you can just tell they're confused, you know? So, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. It was a different time. I don't know if they do that with kids nowadays, but uh, it was a different time. And, and, and again, I'm not I'm not judging the parents of those two twins either. I'm sure they were happy to have their Hollywood moment. Um. Okay. Uh, you know, I enjoyed this revisit. I I don't think this is an amazing film. I think it's, I think it's a, but I think it's a good movie. I think the problem is, I agree with you. I think it's just kind of mishandled throughout. Like it's totally serviceable and watchable, but it misses the boat to be like a kind of lost classic a little bit. And, uh, I think a lot of that does have to do with the fact that the George Stark character, like you said, I agree. He just doesn't have enough heft once he shows up. I, I think it would have worked fine if he showed up when he showed up, if if he had a little bit more menace to him. And he does some awful things, there's no doubt. But there's just something about Timothy Hutton where he feels like a safe person, like everybody's dad. So if, you know what? Safe's a perfect way to put it. And when you have the Stark character, he should not feel safe. Yeah, he should feel very dangerous, like everything he does. Um. Some of the violence is nasty and it works for me, but it just, it, it's, it's a weird movie. I think it really just comes down to pacing and some issues with that pacing that kind of mess it up and maybe a neat, I mean, you're talking about a two hour movie. There's probably a real strong possibility. They could have cut almost a half an hour out of this movie and tightened it up quite, quite a bit. Had the Robert joy character be a little bit more of a red herring. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they give you the violence is there. It's just sometimes it's off screen. Like what happens with the Fred Clausen character? That's the Robert Joy performance. The guy that finds out that he's the other writer. I mean, they show you the the silhouetted image, but, you know, he's gutted and his uh, penis is removed and stuck in his mouth. And so the nastiness is here, but it just feels in a weird way like. It, it just feels like Romero playing it safe too for George Romero. Yes. And uh, that's, that's, that's kind of a weird idea as well. And I don't know if that was studio interference or maybe Romero was just like, you know what? I've, you know, I'm one of the guys that really kind of brought Gore to the forefront. Maybe I should just back off a little bit. And then maybe by the time it gets to the end, they're like, Hey George, you know, people are going to expect, uh, you know, some punch. 
and some gore here. And he's like, oh, yeah, maybe. I, and again, I don't know any of this, but maybe he's like, maybe I need to call Tom and bring Tom in. And give me some give me some gore because uh, I may have left too much of it out. I don't know. I just know that for some reason it kind of ebbs and flows kind of clunky. And uh, yeah, time. It yeah. Doesn't, it, like, it doesn't seem like it's shifting gears, like it's elevating to that fifth gear. It just feels like it kind of stalls and then it kind of picks up a little bit of juice then it goes backwards and yeah 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 and it, again I, I think it's like a perfectly fine i don't know a b-movie watch like it's not something that i would watch all the time certainly but uh, i think it works okay uh for what it is um but i i, I just think it could have been done better it certainly feels like a bit of a miss for romero um, I do like the use of the car, the Tornado, which is not a very popular car. Yeah. That's kind of an interesting touch. Um, cause it's an odd car, right? It's a, it's a kind of a weird, uh, it's not a car you see a lot in the movies. Let's put it that way. And, it's, uh, I like that touch. Fury, right? Like he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that touch. Um, I like, um, I do think the relationship between Amy Madigan and Tim Hutton works. I agree. It feels like a married relationship. It feels like yeah. they they've settled in. They've got a couple kids. They've settled into a life. Um, you know, he he's this uh, writer of dark fiction, and uh, she, uh, you know, behind the scenes, and she never liked that stuff. She's always kind of, you know, uh, any of us that have been married for some time, there's always something the wife doesn't like. There's probably always something the husband doesn't like that the other one does. But you learn to accept things. Yes. And uh, she was happy probably that he moved on from her or retired the George Stark character maybe because it's just a dark character. This character called Machine or yeah. And George Stark is the writer, but the character that he writes that's this awful character is called Machine. And Machine is this kind of, he's this kind of dynamo or dynamic character that's just really there for reasons of violence and uh, to tell stories that way. And there's lots of book series like the like that. That's not that's not uncommon. Uh, people like to read uh, trash as much as they like to read class. I mean, that's the reason why we, you know, another reason we're doing this podcast. I mean, people we love, you know, the Filipino sleaze films as much as we love the, you know, highfalutin uh, grand uh, Oscar nominated films, right? Arkovskis or the yeah Kubricks, yeah. So that I mean, you can enjoy both. You don't, and, and you should not. You should not. You should not fear being judged for any of that stuff because, uh, you know, we're all human beings. Right? We all like, uh, and I think that's what King's going for here. I know he wrote the story coming off of uh, he had become an alcoholic, um, you know, slowly over time, and realized he was drinking a lot and uh, got off the booze. And, um, you know, was coming clean about being Richard Bachman and all that kind of stuff. And, and I think, uh, he wrote a couple novels around this time, kind of dealing with that. And alcoholism pops up in a lot of his books. Uh, it's a bit of a demon, I think in his past. And, uh, it can be, it can be, it's, uh, it can, it can take over your life and, uh, just like anything. So, you know, I think that's interesting. And I think some of that, 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 that can be tied into dual personalities as well the person who drinks as opposed to the person who doesn't drink i mean oh, uh, me and you would probably both admit that we are different personalities when we drink yep as opposed right. to when we don't yeah uh both good and bad i guess depending on who you're around <laughs> yeah. uh i mean i certainly know when i've went too far that i need to walk away because people are not going to like me anymore 
because some of my personal like insecurities kind of start to come out and I get a little weird. So alcohol can do that to people. My wife, uh, she's not a fan of me being loud and not like drunk and loud and just, hey, hey buddy. Hey. <laughs> like I'm not abrasive, but I'm loud. Turned up. Yeah, turned uh, up. It, it's turn- a, it's a, it's a heightened version of you. Yep. And That's, she she probably's like, probably a little embarrassed and everything else. And my wife's the same way. She yeah, she, she gets, I get yeah. that way and she's like, Yeah. And I'm loud anyway. I have a loud voice, so when I talk in a group, I'm certainly gonna be heard. Yep. So it's it it just embarrasses her. So it's just best to say, Okay, a couple of these and I'm good. Yeah. Know your limits. <laughs> Play within it. Yeah. Yeah. Know your limits, stay right in there. Yeah. Um, but you know, I like I said, I enjoyed this rewatch. I do think the biggest problem with this film is the same things you did. I think uh, it would have been maybe even better just to, instead of uh, Hutton playing the two characters, which is an old school movie trope, that they yes. should have maybe just given given the role to somebody else with a little bit more panache. Um, but yeah, you know, it isn't to be. But yeah, I think the pacing too, though. Oh, and there's a lot of machine or George Stark. This kind of do a dual character in of itself. There's a lot of him in it, a lot more than I remember, actually. And uh, I think that's a bit of a mistake too, because again, Hutton's performance isn't great. So uh, even though I think he is a really good actor, we can both agree with that. He he is yeah. good at what he knows how to do, but I just don't know if this is the thing for him. So it's like having a creature feature, and your creature looks really, really lumpy, right? Like yeah, kind of kills it. Yeah, I mean. I, Again, I, th- I think the movie's good. I just don't, you know, it's not, it's not a There's classic. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you'd have told me that we did these two films back to back, Sleepwalkers and Dark Half, I would have probably told you that, you know, I've seen both of them once. Mm-hmm. I probably would have told you Dark Half is the better film. But it's interesting kind of going back and looking at these. I've had the reverse uh, kind of experience and yeah. found Sleepwalkers to be more interesting. Although I do like elements of this. I do think, like you said, I think Rooker's good in this film. Madigan's good in the film. Hutton's good in the films. Yeah, Royal Dano's fun in the little moment he's in. Uh, There's just good moments in here, but I think the the film itself is a bit of a mess is probably part of the problem. And just there's just lots of times where throughout the movie you're sitting there thinking, well, let's move along with the story. I mean, come on, let's let's go. You know, let's keep moving. And uh, it would have been nice if they just would have kept the story going. But... That sounds funny complaining about a two-hour film because nowadays that's still short. <laughs> oh. After me watching a two-hour and 44-minute superhero film last night, uh, you know, I would have died for that to be 44 minutes shorter. Uh, but, yeah, it's it was interesting watching these two back-to-back, these 90s horror films, because, like I said, I would have totally given you a different answer if you just would have asked me on the fly. And that's that's what's interesting about going back and revisiting things. Totally. Um, is that you might have they might have been the mood you were in it might have been the environment you were in it might have just been the film itself but you can get something different from a film all the time that's why i'm always i always kind of feel bad for people who are like no nah, i've already seen it i'm like okay well let's watch it again no 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 i've already seen it i don't need to see it again i always kind of feel bad for folks like that because i'm like well you can maybe get even more out of it if you see it again or maybe you can get less but you know i, I guess some people just you know they're not movie lovers like us, I guess. So, you no, know, it's true. I gotta it's remember. True. I gotta remember that some people one and done is the way it is, right? You get one shot, <laughs> just like Eminem. Well, that's right. That's <laughs> right. But it's. I. But I agree with you. Different junctures in our life. Like, there's films I've seen 
in more recent years, and I can appreciate the craftsmanship more or the the subtle homages to mm-hmm. films that preceded it, that influenced it, right? Or just, you know, whatever, right? Different points in your lives will, will bring different appreciation for films. Yeah, I just think it's, uh, you know, I think it's, a I, again, it's just a personal pet peeve. I think it's kind of a shame if folks don't go back and look at stuff, but I totally understand. Life is short, and if you don't want to spend your time, you know, rewatching The Godfather, uh, that's totally cool. If you got enough out of it one time, everybody's unique. Every, if you got enough out of it the first time, you don't need to see it again. Good for you. I just think there's a lot to be said about revisiting art. And I think that's the reason why we, you know, why plays are the same plays over and over again. And some of those things that, you know, it's interpretation more than anything. Oh, yeah. All right. I'll kick it over to you for Make or Breaks MVTs. Make or Break. I guess the face-to-face stuff, when it really heightens up, when we get kind of the rotted... Uh, mm-hmm. Stark and yeah, confrontation ups, moment. Yeah, confrontation because it's been building towards that, right? So, and that's when the moment we get a little bit of the payoff where we've there's been kind of stuff that's sputtered and stalled, and um, you know, it it kind of leads to that. And there's something kind of bonkers which we finally want the breaks off, and, and we get it. Um, so yeah, that's that's my make or break. So I'm just standing up here, getting old. My back sore. Oh. <laughs> Uh, MBT. I'm going to go with Michael Rooker on this one. Oh, nice. He's good in this. I find him very engaging. I have a total love for Rooker, as I'm sure most of us do. I just think his procedural stuff, he played this this earnest, uh, dedicated, small-town sheriff really well. And, and it just he can toggle so well between kind of wholesome. Like he plays that dad in that monster movie. Um, kind of that, mon- like it's like a plaguey monster movie where him and this little girl are like he, they're they're supporting characters but anyway i can't think what it's called monsters versus love or i don't know can't remember what it's called anyway i digress rooker's my mvt my score for this one's a 6.25 i feel like it, it hmm. missed mm-hmm. opportunity not a bad film but uh, it, it goes on too long and it doesn't have enough punch to sustain that runtime yeah uh, my make or break is the same, the confrontation moment. At that point, you're wanting to get to that. And uh, they do a pretty good job with the twin acting and stuff. It's not bad. Uh, pretty well done. You can obviously tell when there's uh, somebody else there with Hutton and whatnot. But it, it, they do a pretty good job with it. It doesn't look too cheap. Um, my MVT, I'm going to go with Hutton. And I, mostly it's because of the Thad Beaumont performance. I really yeah, like that performance. Yeah, he's a he's a good husband, a good dad. Uh, and he has this complication in his life where he, you know, basically in his eyes, he writes smut to make money and, uh, he's kind of embarrassed about it and stuff. And I think it leads to some interesting character moments. Yep. Um, obviously the George Stark performance is a little bit rougher, but I think it, you know, it's a good performance. I do like Michael Rooker a lot in this Royal Dano. There's a lot of good acting in the film. Maybe Madigan's really good as well. Maybe Madigan's really good. Uh, my score is just a tad bit higher than yours, six point five. So we're kind of in the same ballpark on this. Tad Beaumont higher. Yeah, Tad Beaumont's a tad Beaumont higher than yours. Uh, <laughs> uh and uh, you know, I I feel the same way on this revisit. It's just overlong and uh, really needs to be tightened up. And uh, I mean, I like the Romero ness of it. I just I think it needed a little bit more of the Romero ness of it. And these sort of uh, outside of these zombie cycle stuff, and and I'm, I'm just going to say forthright, forthright there by right now. I think even some of Romero's zombie films are a little overlong. Um, I don't know why he always made these kind of longer films. I think he was always really good um, with these kind of short, punchy B movies. But 
um, you know, it's, it, it is what it is. Decisions are made. You're an artist. That is what it is. And this is what they released. And, uh, it's okay. And it, it's a perfectly watchable film, but it's not amazing. Uh, okay. That is, uh, that is our thoughts this week. Um, what are we doing next week? You guys, so I think you got something next- lined up, right? Yeah, we're about to get into some wacky, wild territory for the next few weeks. Um, We're going to dip into 1982 France with a really bonkers one described as sort of uh, Jean Roland meets Jim Cotta meets Italian (laughs) zombie film logic with Jean-Pierre Mocky's Litan. Litan. We're going to have a special guest, surprise guest on that one. So that'll be fun. Sweet. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Never seen the film, so no. Always well, looking forward I, to that. Yeah, but I saw I saw a, a clip. Oh yeah, I've done some research. I've done some research. Very interested yeah. to see what happens here. Yes, sir. Uh, as always, check out there with all of our friends. Not a bomb. Watch Skip Plus, Cult of Muscle, all those guys. Uh, Merrill yes. Clickers, all those good folks doing all the good work. Uh, definitely check those guys out. I want to try to mention them as much as possible. Don't want to. Yeah, I want to like, write them down. I keep saying I'm going to, so I'm going to have to. <laughs> um, but with that, I will say I don't think there's anything else. I want to make sure there's nothing else before I get off here because sometimes I'll get off here and be like, I meant to say this. <laughs> um, I'll say adios. Adios. Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com, and you can email the gentleman. Midnight Cinema at gmail.com. Thank you.